All right, so we're going to do uh, the case studies that go with what we looked at last week. And so, just a quick review. We talked last week about the topics of the top general topic of suffering, but the specific ideas of sickness, aging, death, or persecution. Talked about the idea that evil is real and is tied to sin as the fundamental basis of problems in life. The fact that persecution, sickness, aging, and death are some of the primary ways the curse of sin impacts us on a daily basis. And then I want to review these last points because I think they're important for us to keep in mind. The Bible gives hope in comforting those who are facing various kinds of suffering. Trials are not intended to drive us to sin. Trials or suffering are not by accident, but to increase our maturity and faith and our awareness of God's character and work. These things are temporary, and our faith will be vindicated through them. They may not end in full release in this life. Think of the example of Paul in 2 Corinthians 12. And finally, trials, suffering, these various difficulties ought to drive us to seek comfort in the right places. We see, for example, patterns from the Psalms. Uh, the examples of various Old Testament saints and those in the early church. And so in light of those things, we've got three case studies for us to talk through. And uh, be a little bit shorter this morning. That will give Corey and Joyce time to uh, coordinate on anything they might need here before the service. And uh, so we'll start with the first one here where it says, Justin. Does someone want to read that for me? So, if you talk to someone in this kind of situation, what would be some important questions to ask or things that would be good to know? Where do you think God was when you had your accident? Okay. Where was God in that accident? Like, where was God? Was he watching out for you? You know, that kind of idea. What else? I know this is kind of a heavy topic for first thing in the morning, but sometimes these kinds of conversations come at us like that, and so it's good to, to think through them. Okay. 
Okay. Sure. Good. Along those lines, do we see anywhere, at least in this, that he's for sure a believer? And that's something that we need to know where someone stands before we start trying to address the problem because, you know, let's say they have a problem with anger. Well, that's not going to get fixed if they're uh, apart from God. They have a problem with lying. That's what we would expect them to do if they're not a Christian. Uh, they have a problem in their marriage. Again, you know, they might have stuff that gets fixed with that, but if they don't have Christ, that is the most important thing. And so, um, you know, is he a believer? What other things could you say to him or ask? Yes. <coughs> okay. What's that? Yeah. So, focusing on the fact that there are sports and activities that he can still do. Mm-hmm. Sure. What are some of the things that he's clearly feeling or, or struggling with? Okay, that's what he needs. What are some of the things that he's maybe struggling with? Loneliness, right? Okay, yeah, pride is another possible one. Good. Let's talk for a minute about this idea of, um, he very clearly said he doesn't think anyone will want to marry him, and even if he could be a dad, he might not be a good one. What is, what does the Bible require, expect, paint a picture for us about those things? Like at its core, what does it mean to be a good husband, to be a good father? Okay. So, let's take it from the, I'm sorry, did, uh, did you have something? Go ahead. Okay. Um, does it say anywhere in the Bible that you have to be able to um, uh, repaint the wall if it gets a, a dent in it? No. Some people can't paint well at all, you know. Um, I've tried and, and still not very good at, at patching things in the wall, so... We moved so I didn't have to look at the wall. I didn't know. I'm just kidding. Yeah. It was in the basement, so you just shove up furniture in front of it. Eric. Yeah. <coughs> sure. 
Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, go ahead. Okay. I may have seen it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Good. So there's lots of, uh, yes, good. Yeah. Yeah. And even if that plan looks different from what his parents' plan was when he was a baby, or maybe. I mean, depending on how young he was, it's hard to know, you know, if it happened when he was like five, you're not thinking much about the future at five, but you do have a sense of awareness of I could do this and now I can't do this. Um, I mean, I think as we look at this situation, a lot of it comes down to is he, where does he stand spiritually because that's going to greatly impact all of these other sorts of things. And then helping him to see that there is uh, purpose and uh, possibility in his life with God's help and other people's help. I mean, along the lines of the pride issue, we don't, we don't often want to ask for help with different things, but sometimes we need help, and more often than not, people are willing to give that help, and so, uh, especially in the context of the church, hopefully, and so, um, I mean, what do you think about studying through James? Is there a different book that you would pick? Is James a good book? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Good. And I think we have to be careful. I'll get you this. I think we have to be careful. Um, like if we look at the Psalms, there's a lot of passages that talk about like more like persecution type suffering. You won't immediately turn them to physical type suffering. We have to be clear that that's not the meaning, but is a very clear application. Jonathan. Sure. Sure. Yeah, especially if he's not a believer, that might be the place to start too. So, good. Yeah. Romans is a good book, too, but it, depending on what all is... I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of topics like in Romans 8 and some of those things that would help them think through very good. So, all right. Any other last thoughts on this one, or we'll go on to the next one? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Good. All right. So let's go on to the next one. Someone want to read that for me?
All right. Any thoughts as we uh, look at this one? Okay, that's one possible solution. What does our starting point need to be? Yeah, is she a believer? Good. Um, assuming, we, I mean, we could assume that because of some of the things we see, but it would not be a good idea to assume it because people can go to church and pray and be good people without actually being Christians. So, what else? Yes? Sure. But she is praying and she feels like it's not working. So, how do you talk to somebody in that situation? Okay. That's a good point. Um, what about uh, something like First Timothy 2 where it says to pray for kings and those who are in authority so that we may live a peaceful and quiet life? I mean, it's easy to not want to pray for the people that are making your life miserable, but that may both help your attitude toward them and God can work in their lives. What else? Yes. Yeah. And I think some of it comes down to our tone or our attitude, because if you come in and you're like, I mean, look at it from the perspective of your employer. They need you to work, and they might be in a bind and all these other sorts of things. And so when we come in, potentially, and we have sort of an arrogant attitude in the way that we say, I can't work these times, you can do it in a right way, or you can do it in a humble way. And I think that that 
there are people who are just plain ungodly. They don't, they're not believers. But if you approach it with the right attitude, I mean, Proverbs says that a soft answer turns away wrath. I think that's important to remember. It's not a guarantee, but it will definitely help us. And it also helps the reputation of Christ in the church. We have to have an appropriate mix of boldness and of kindness, I guess you could say. I mean, I've interacted with, you know, uh, a lot of people in the area in the last year since we've moved up here, and there's a lot of them that are not at all on the same page where we're at, but there have been opportunities for good conversations, and a lot of it comes down to the way that we talk to people. We have to have a humility recognizing that, yes, what someone may be doing, the way they may be living is wrong, but Paul says to the Corinthians, such were some of you, and we need to always constantly have that, that reminder of where were we when God transformed our lives and that we've not yet arrived, and so that's important as well. But what about how she is responding to the situation? Yes. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we can look at in our lives. I mean, it's easy to, to harp on the idea of TV being bad simply because it is something on it is immoral. But we need to also think about the angle of certain things sometimes being bad just because they're consuming so much of our life. Um, I think for, probably particularly for guys in their teens and 20s, it's stuff like video gaming for other people, it might be things like talking to people on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever else it might be. And when those things consume the entirety of your life and get in the way of face-to-face -face type relationships, I think that that's something that we need to know truth, but we also need to have a for lack of a better word, a fellowship, a Christian community where we are interacting with people regularly because I can know truth and I can be over here and I can quote verses in my mind and I'm not at all criticizing what you're saying. It's just, it's, sometimes it's really easy for us to know what we ought to do but until we have someone come alongside us and say, hey, you're, you're, you're not doing this. That sort of prods us, that helps us. Or they come along and maybe instead of saying you're not doing this, they say, how are you doing with this? And, and they try to encourage us. And, you know, I don't, it doesn't have to be a, a, a creepy or a weird thing like, like someone, I'm going to call you at 4 o'clock every day and you need to give me a list of all the things that you failed in today. That's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm just saying just having a relationship with people, particularly in the context of church, other believers, where we can have conversations that help us in these sorts of things because the tendency instead is to sort of turn inward or to turn toward the wrong things, and God has sort of built these structures into the church to, to help one another. And what about her husband? If he doesn't know what to say to her, how can we help him? Okay. Maybe he just doesn't know what to say because he hasn't taken the time to ask questions and, and get a sense of what it's really like for her. Maybe, um, maybe there's some kind of unrealistic expectation on his part that she needs to shoulder a bigger part of the responsibility than she should. I mean, there's a lot of different possibilities that we won't know until we, we talk to him about some of those things. Sure. Sure, and that, that's uh, an important thing. Uh, one other angle I think we need to think about with this. Should it surprise us if someone mocks us for being a believer? So there's this, how do I put this? We should never lose a sensitivity to things that are honoring God and displeasing to God. So in other words, we should never be okay with people swearing, taking God's name in vain, and, and all of those sorts of things, or, or taking marriage lightly, all that sort of thing. At the same time, sometimes we get this idea that we want people to be Christian in behavior before they're converted in their hearts. And that's a, that's a struggle that we have to work with. And, you know, so two examples. Um, yeah, go ahead, Paul. And, and so that's an excellent point, that it's easy to say, here's how I am being mistreated. But think about what it says in First and Second Peter. That is an opportunity for you to follow in Christ's example, be a tool of witness to the lost, and um, I don't want to say earn greater glory, but uh, there's a sense in which there's a there's a reward and an acceptance by God that is more important than how people around you respond to you. Um, so, two last quick thoughts on that. I'm fascinated by the fact that people who swear all the time when they're around their coworkers, suddenly there's like little kids around them and it just turns off like a light switch. So there is a place to say, hey, something like, hey, my kids are right here, can you not do that? And some people may listen and some people may not. But um, then on the other hand, there's just the simple fact that if you're hearing a bunch of stuff on a regular basis and it's saturating your mind, you're going to have to saturate your mind with other things in order to deal with this struggle where she feels like she's going to blurt out the wrong thing. If she does blurt out the wrong thing, she has to ask forgiveness, say that was wrong, and you know, strive not to do it. All right, last one. Someone want to read that last one there?
Okay, good. All right, thoughts? Sure. Is it okay for true believers to question the difficulties of life? Yeah. So that's not a red flag, oh, I should, should question it, but not just assume since she's been there a long time that she is a genuine believer. How would you encourage her? Paul? Should I go visit with you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a very good point because there were opportunities where I could go visit Kelly's grandma when she was going through some of those things. And because I wasn't the one that was there every day, it wasn't as difficult for me to be patient with her when we were interacting about things. But that is a heavy burden to bear, to bear, to carry. What else? Sandra? Okay. With regard to uh, to um, talking to her about God, some people get to a point where I'm not sure that intellectually speaking we would think it's possible for them to grasp what it means to trust in Jesus. But at the same time, there is also the reality that sometimes the things that they learned as a kid, Bible passages, songs, things like that, stick with them. And, for example, there was a lady we used to go visit and her memory was almost completely gone. But if you started reading Psalm 23, she'd start quoting it just like that with you and, and the whole way through. And so that can have a calming effect and be helpful to people in that circumstance. Yes? Sure. 
Yeah. Right. What a, yeah, yeah. What about this topic of euthanasia? What what's your biblical response to why we can't do that? Okay. But this person is suffering. Okay. So one thing I think it's important for us to think about, medical technology gives us the ability to prolong life in a way that can be miserable both for the person and for those caring for that person. And so that's a heavy burden too for people to make a decision, you know, somebody has a brain aneurysm and they bring them back and then they're incapacitated for another 10, 12, 15 years that is a difficult thing to work through and um, so I think we need to have patience and, and, and understanding with people. I, I, I think there's a biblical balance where sometimes people make decisions because they're not willing to give up that person and some of that may be out of a fear of death and we need to just wrestle with some of those realities and some of it has to do with the fact that we think we're in charge of it and not God, and, and we have to acknowledge that as well. And so that's just a, a, a difficult set of circumstances to navigate. I mean, people put things like that into their wills or, or have things that they've said to their family. I, I want this, I don't want this. And um, so I think we just need to have a lot of patience and understanding with people. Um, and so there is a difference between, just to make it clear, there's a difference between actively doing something to end someone's life and not prolonging it by any means necessary. And so I think we need to, it's a difficult line to walk, but I think we need to understand that. If someone says, I don't want to be on a ventilator, then it's a lot easier to not put that in than to have to stop it later on. You know, those sorts of things. And, and so it's just... Uh, it's a challenging situation to walk through. What about your, the person in this case study, response to her? Is reminding someone about Romans 8, 28 to 30 and say, if you need anything, call me, a good or a helpful response? Is it true? Is Romans 8, 28 through 30 true? Yeah. But it's easy for us maybe sometimes to just sort of quote a verse and think, like, that fixes it because I said the words in the verse. Sometimes there's a time where we need to listen, and sometimes there's a time when we need to share Scripture and not just have one thing. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. 
Sure. Right. Do a little bit more instead of just quote it and, and go. Uh, one last point. Out. Yes, go ahead. No. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That can very definitely be an encouraging thing to do. I, I think with regard to the, if she needs anything, if you need anything, call me. It's much more helpful to say something specific. Do you need someone to come cut your grass? Do you need, can I bring you a meal on Wednesday? You know, specific things because when you're in the middle of a traumatic situation, sometimes you just don't have enough energy in your brain left over to say, someone says, can I help you? And then you're like, oh, it'd be help. Uh, what could they help me with? And it's just like, you're just sort of lost because it's work on you to try to come up with how can they help you. But if someone is specific and offers things, that can be, that can be very, um, very practically encouraging. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Good. All right. Let's wrap up there. We'll close with a word of prayer, and then we will um, uh, get ready for the morning service. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to think about these situations. We thank you, Lord, that there is hope, that we can see the truth of your word, that you can... You have answers, that there is strength to be found in gathering with your people, that we can uh, do things that are practically very encouraging. Lord, that there are ways in which we need to grow in all these different circumstances. And So we pray, Lord, that you give us wisdom and strength and help to do all those things so that we would better uh, do what your word calls us to do as far as ministering to one another in the church. We pray these things, ask you to bless the service in a few minutes. In Christ's name, amen.